Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the impacts of large-scale landlords on the housing market. The affordable housing advocates are highly critical of institutional buyers removing inventory from the market by competing with buyers for single-family homes. These big bad landlords are making huge profits on the back of these poor tenants. Was interest rates increase, it is true that many first-time buyers could get shut out of the market at least for a while. But if someone has the monthly income to rent, presumably that exact same property would cost the same amount of money to hold it if it was owner-occupied versus owned by a landlord. The intrinsic cost of a given property should be very similar regardless who owns it. And on today's show, we're going to look at that basic premise and ask the question, is it true, or at least is it substantially true, that the differences between an individual buyer and an institutional buyer don't materially affect the cost of home ownership and therefore the dynamics of the housing market. The cost of home ownership breaks down into a few categories, taxes, insurance, maintenance, utilities, and financing. There's not much else. Let's start with property taxes. Well, the property taxes should be exactly the same. In a few select cases, larger institutional landlords dedicate a full-time person whose only job it is to appeal property taxes. One developer I spoke with told me that the annual tax savings are enough to more than justify funding that full-time salaried position across the breadth of their portfolio. Individual homeowners, of course, have the same right to challenge property taxes, but they rarely have the skills to effectively challenge property tax assessments. In that respect, the institutional landlords have a modest advantage over the traditional owner-occupant. The second advantage the institutional investor has is they generally have access to some of the best financing terms in the market. Institutions have access to permanent financing from insurance companies. They can raise debt funds in the bond market at pretty good rates. So institutional landlords do have a bit of a financing advantage. Institutions are typically buying property where the purchase price satisfies the price-to-rent ratio and they have access to raising equity that an owner might take years to save up. In that respect, they do have an advantage. They can raise capital in a matter of days if they have a track record. The easy access to capital does give the institution a distinct advantage in a market when it comes to acquisitions. In a market where a seller is seeking certainty of closing, many buyers will have a financing condition in their contract. The professional buyer is more certain of closing and is perceived as a higher quality buyer in a competitive market. For that reason, they do have an advantage as a buyer. Let's look at insurance. Institutional landlords tend to be the target for more than their fair share of lawsuits. If a homeowner falls down the stairs in their own home, there's nobody to sue. But if you're a tenant, a slip and fall injury is likely to result in a claim against the landlord. And for that reason, commercial landlords usually pay more for insurance than individual homeowners. When you look at the balance of supply and demand in the market, no housing is actually destroyed if it's purchased by an institutional investor. One unit's removed from the owner-occupied segment, and then one unit is correspondingly added to the rental market. That house will still be occupied by a family with income and children who go to school and they shop and eat in the local area. No housing was actually destroyed. There's a risk when an institution makes a decision to exit a market, and that's been a criticism. They might be experiencing difficulties in another part of the business, and they might make a decision to exit a market all at once. That brings an elevated risk of the market being flooded with properties in a short period of time. But since these homes are rented to tenants, they're not likely to all hit the market at once. Let's look at utilities. Most homes have the utilities paid by occupants, regardless whether they are owner-occupied or tenant-occupied. 
So utilities are neutral regardless who owns the property. Let's look at maintenance. Institutional landlords generally have strong systems, and they have fewer problem tenants compared with amateur landlords. Institutionally managed properties are generally better maintained than their owner-occupied counterparts. The wear and tear in a house is going to be roughly equivalent regardless whether the home is owner-occupied or tenanted. When things break in a house, owners sometimes are slow to repair them. The result is that problems tend to grow. We often see deferred maintenance in owner-occupied homes. A high-quality operator is generally going to be on top of maintenance issues and not allow deferred maintenance to mushroom into a huge problem. Of course, we have to acknowledge that not every operator is a good operator, but most of the time institutional owners hire top-quality property managers, and these managers generally have strong systems and they're proactive when it comes to maintenance. One area where there's a distinct difference is that professional owners have to spend a substantial amount of money on management, which the individual homeowner does not. While the institutional investor does have some financing advantages over the individual homeowner, that individual homeowner is not usually paying extra for many maintenance items. They're doing the work themselves, and they're not paying a manager to manage their own home. When we add all of these together, we can conclude that the cost of ownership is substantially the same, regardless who owns the property. So the argument that somehow institutions are harming housing affordability is not supported by the math. If all of a sudden there was too much rental housing in the market, we would see vacancy rates increasing. Leasing incentives would come into play, and ultimately rents would start to fall. But we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing rent growth in many markets across the U.S. and Canada. And that says that the additional supply in the rental market coming from institutions is not harming affordability in the market. It's adding supply to the market where that supply is being met by demand. See, the population doesn't change materially in an area from one year to the next. So when you receive critique from folks who tell you that somehow professional landlords are harming the housing market and they're harming affordability, feel free to ask them how and why institutional investors are harming the market. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.